0: They were called
1: nasties, and they were nasty.
0: Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it.
2: I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know. Is
3: in that and welcome back, ladies and gents. This is another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season number two, episode number, and I just said it 26. Twice I said it before I hit the button, and then I hit the button. Uh, joining me on this episode, as always, is my long-suffering co-host, and we're going to get into some stuff. Not that I can make judgment or make calls on a certain Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that has just come out, because I've not seen it yet, <laughs> but I think that I've made him watch movies that are so terrible now that he's come out of that screen and thinking that movie was good. Like I say, I can't make a judgment on it, I've yet, <laughs> I've yet to see it, but I think I've... <laughs> lowered the bar so low now that basically anything now passes as a competent movie. Mark Ball, you're joining me, sir. How's it going?
1: <laughs> it's going, it's going good. That was that was quite the intro, and uh yeah, you're, there's there's to be fair, there's there some suffering in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that just came out. But yeah, I get yeah, I guess just doing this show for a while has just made me. At least at certain times, just embrace the suffering and just go along with the ride. And you know, if the movie doesn't make me want to hang myself, that that's a that's a big accomplishment. It's a win. you know. Sometimes.
3: Yeah. So it's a, it's a tick and a win, uh, and we'll take that. <laughs> and we will take it. I, I am watching it. I think this week, um, and I'm uh, yeah if it wasn't for a podcast I probably wouldn't do it Um, joining us on this episode we have a very special guest we've kind of teased this one out a little bit over the last few episodes Um, concurrent to us doing this series he's been making his own way through it It's actually concluded it so part of me is immensely jealous that he has no more to watch um (laughs) However, he uh, has been very active on the Facebook group page, has furnished us with the two movies we're watching tonight, which is great because the only dub I could find of Firecracker was in a foreign language, and that foreign language didn't make me want to watch the movie any more than watching the movie. Um, I'm keeping <laughs> oh, no. my cards close to my chest on this one. Uh, joining us is the phenomenally talented uh, Tony Case. How's it going?
4: Hola, bitcholos. Hey, uh, you know, we've been talking about getting on the show for fucking ever
3: yes and here it is finally so i'm excited to be here we're, we're gonna get into this one because like mark informed me because mark is my conduit to the people he's like he's, right. he's basically like my the, the lawyer spokesperson that gets sent out in the front steps of the court to say we understand you have concerns we're taking them on board <laughs> uh, a spokesperson, Please, a yeah a spokesperson for video nasty at uh, the you know doing the nasty podcast what we're telling you is uh but mark said tony specifically said when we cover one of the movies that we're doing on this particular episode, he wanted to be on this episode. That movie would be GBH. GBH, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as grievous bodily harm. Yes, which you can is a convictable offence over here. Uh, you can be convicted for grievous bodily harm or GBH in in the UK. It's uh, you know it generally means you've hit someone hard, uh, but haven't killed them, which is a win.
4: And then, of course, the bonus uh, of the, I like the other movie, too. So, I mean, you know, when you said, oh, we're doing Firecracker too," it's like, oh, fuck yeah, I, I, I'm down with that. Both these movies are great. So, and, oh, and, and I just really took my hand.
3: Luck at the draw. Uh, I've said this before, sometimes yeah. the movies land in weird situations where I think we ended up doing, we've done movies that parallel particular seasons really, really well as we've worked through this, and then other ones that just don't mean. no. No sense, no rhyme, no reason why they're lumped together, except I created a list and then I muddled them all up and I muddled them all up again, and then muddled them all up again, and then put them through a sorter and then assigned a number and then sorted them and then reversed them and chopped them in half and then pieced it together. Uh, so it is well and truly shuffled uh, to use the card parlance, I don't know. Um, so, so clearly the fates decreed
4: me to, this is going to be my episode to shine. <laughs>
3: I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, before we get into that, as always, we like to uh, catch up. Um, nothing has happened in the world. I, I want to <laughs> like, at uh, this start... It's like... The, the start of these episodes uh, are, are, like, weird, like, time capsule milestones for the inevitable decline of humanity. Um, so, with that, great positive uh, intro. Mark, what have you been up to, buddy, since I last spoke to you a month ago?
1: uh well uh watching a lot of movies to distract from watching the world fucking burn all around us uh <laughs> i got to i got to show some people massacre mafia style for the first time last <laughs> night Oh, and, uh they loved it uh, they were like that actually was like a pretty good movie i'm like yeah it i mean it's a bad movie but it's a good bad movie and uh yeah we had a lot a lot of fun with that um yeah, watch that new Texas Chainsaw movie. It's uh, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, it but did,
4: that... it, I, I saw it too, and I didn't necessarily. What did I say when I when I pinged you about it? Because I oh, I had to go eat crow that once you get past the first five minutes, it's actually not terrible. I didn't hate watch it. I to,
3: like the. I, I was just talking about this with with Bone and earlier recording. I like my. If we're talking about the big four. Um, there's a reason why like, everyone's like, oh, Yo, you forgive Jason for everything, you forgive Jason for everything. Like, the, the Friday the 13th movies, none of them, maybe out with part four, are exceptional movies. They're all relatively entertaining, average slasher movies, but they maintained that relatively entertaining slasher thing right through the series, give or take maybe one or two installments. Every other every other one of those big four franchises, the the diminishing returns are colossally diminishing on each one. And I think I would put the weird thing I was trying to think about if I was like ordering them up. How would I order them? And much to my surprise, Halloween is still at the bottom. That is, is a hot trash fucking. <laughs> guess, honestly, and
4: once <laughs> you get past three, uh, part three, the just movie. Ju- or the like, just... what's the, point? the like, like, uh, what, yeah.
3: what, Why am I still here? Uh, I think. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just above that, actually. I was thinking about this. I have, I, I like, well, obviously, adore the first movie. Um, have a lot of time for that second movie just because it's so much cocaine-fueled bonkers. Um, <laughs> and the third, movie, the third movie, the older I get, the more I, I appreciate it was trying to do something. I don't think it's necessarily successful in what it's doing. I mean, I will watch part four purely because Matthew McConaughey's hilarious in it. Um, and then I really would not thank you for any of the other ones that come after it at all. Like, I think they're all various shades of missing the point and bad. Um, yeah. And at that point, it's like, well, what am I doing here? You know, like, is that, is that level where I was thinking, even a Friday, like, a, a Friday the 13th is always going to be top. Like, even a Nightmare in Elm Street, even an I Fucking hate a lot of those Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I, I inclu- I'm not a big fan of that first one. Marcus heard the bit. He chops his fingers it's, off
1: and googly arms. The log arms.
3: Googly <laughs> arms for no reason. It's a terrible effect. Um, so absolutely horrible, silly effect, and the endings shitty and all the rest. But, but as a concept, it's kind of fucking amazing. And then I can get through that. That second one, I think, is better than the first one, and a lot of people don't disagree with that. That third one is just great. It's just a hands down great movie. And at least with Wes Craven's new nightmare, we come back and we try something different, and it's really ballsy and all the rest. So there's four movies in that franchise that I'm like, yeah, I would happily sit down and watch those ones again. And I, 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 I what, two? Two? <laughs> the texas chainsaw massacre and i kind of like the concepts of the third one and i like a character in the fourth one so i mean what we're we doing here people get in the bin that's what i'm saying Damn. you you did go back and watch it though tony yeah i
4: did uh i got uh the first 15 minutes at the gas station i'm like i can't do this and then like a couple of days ago i just smoked a ton of weed and <laughs> just like. <laughs> And i like, okay, now I can just absorb the movie and just go. It's not terrible. It's not great. It just kind of washed over me. And if you ask me how to describe the plot, I'm like, Leatherface kills some guys with a chainsaw, I think. And that's about as all I can do. <laughs>
3: um, I, I think I know the answer to this, and I think it's one of the reasons I'm going to dislike the movie severely. Um, is there a scene in it where someone says, do your thing, cuz?
2: Oh um...
1: nah. No. No. Getting no. There, the there's e- almost almost equally cringy lines in there for in sure the bin. <laughs> in the
3: bin. there's no do your thing because is even worth watching i described that i saw that in the cinema in 3d and that was the greatest 3d effect i've ever seen in cinema because it, a, a realistic foot came out of the cinema screen and kicked me in the testicles Um, and I felt every single punt of that right through I was like yeah this movie really fucking hates me Um, yeah so you've been watching a lot of movies Mark
1: yeah after I got done with that Texas Chainsaw one I went back and watched some other you know later entry slasher movies I was like I just I went on a kick of like stuff that I don't watch very often Mm -hmm. so I also did the the Friday the 2009 Friday the 13th which I still think is most it's two thirds a big piece of shit yeah, that uh, opening,
3: well, that opening twenty minutes is the movie that we all wanted and should have yep, got. And for some yep. reason, they decide to tag on a whole other movie, which more people hmm. come into Crystal Lake. Yay!
1: Yeah, a whole Just bunch of. They run
4: around in the tunnels underground under. Like, oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that part, that part, <laughs> that part sucks real bad. Yeah, I, I strongly dislike about two thirds of that movie. Yeah. Uh, I also, yeah, I, I went back to Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Three which uh the r-rated cut of that one because that one came late enough that the mpaa was starting to like be like nope you can't do this you can't do that yeah. uh the r-rated version of that movie kind of fucking sucks and feels really disjointed and there's parts where you can't tell what the hell is supposed to be going on but the unrated cut of that, that they put out not too long ago i think is pretty all right you get a pretty great uh ken free great in it. he's great enough, if you go- yeah. Vigo Mortensen is pretty great in it like all all the rest of the cast is like pretty solid it's Leatherface that's kind of weak he doesn't really do a whole lot but
3: yeah I think they were trying to go for something they were really trying to lean into the the kind of handicap of the character which I kind of like like I say as a concept I think is a really interesting idea something you don't get with um kind of slasher killers is that idea of uh, a kind of handicap that is impaired them, which is causing the thing that they're doing, and really examine that. So, as a concept, it's brilliant, but they do fuck all with it, uh, um, yeah. which is a bit disappointing,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was about it. I, I'm pretty sure I watched a couple other things, but uh, yeah, uh, probably by the time this comes out, hopefully, it'll be. Uh, announced that uh, I'm playing some live music next month. Oh which yeah, is <laughs> fucking terrifying. Uh, yeah, been, I mean, we're working on some music. It's gonna be like a pretty low key thing. If like ten people show up, I'll, I'll be surprised. But uh, yeah, might be playing my first show here pretty quick after this is coming out. So I've been frantically trying to get my computer up and running and writing some new music and fiddling around on on the keyboard a little bit. So. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably have some new music out here pretty soon on like Bandcamp or something. Nice. So, I'll talk about that more on the next episode. Probably we'll see what happens.
4: Very cool, very cool. We'll break a leg. Yes,
1: ah.
3: yes, yes. Not physically, unless you want. to.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the way that this year's going, sure. What the hell?
3: Yeah, if, if it I mean, gets I, you more likes.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, and I could I could always just sit down for the show, do do the Dave Grohl thing yes i'm a fucking cast
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh tony what about yourself
4: ah god what the hell have i been doing recently well aside from uh fixing my goddamn youtube uh channel
3: <laughs> yeah oh. we should probably get into this so you like you were you were like <laughs> i kind of feel on some level there was a you know there's a conspiracy out there you were about to post your very final video
4: oh my yeah i was the fucking finish line. Yeah. Uh, so after we did the, uh, the the first two lists, the prosecutor and the non-prosecutor, then we did the section three list. And then we did a kind of a supplemental where it was like uh, stuff like um, Clockwork Orange where yeah. you know Kubrick pulled it from uh, distribution. We were down to uh, the big red one, which was nailed because they thought it was porno. Yeah. <laughs> the last fucking episode. And then YouTube just said, you know, you, we, you posted pornography, you posted boobies, we're killing your channel. And the bitch of it is that th- when I appealed the decision, they said, you know, hey, uh, we agree with you. Fine, we'll give you your channel back. And they just never did. Yeah. So I have to go through uh, 150, 200 episodes and scrub out every instance of, like, boobies. So that's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> I,
3: uh, I, I think you should, instead of taking them out, you should replace them with the image of a calculator turned upside down saying boobless
4: <laughs> uh, right now i have a giant black sensor bar that just says the word sensor so yeah. i'm absolutely playing it up like you wouldn't believe and the crazy thing is so um when i had my the, the original channel and almost all done and the uh, the ratio of age gating that youtube would do automatically mm-hmm. um about half of the episodes would be nope this is content restricted we're going to make it uh, age gated now without the boobs but all the violence i have not touched a single drop of blood (laughs) fine with that (coughs) and it is you know none of them get age gated it's like fucking double standards
3: it's it's not that far off why the videos and the video nasties were actually banned in the first place (laughs) exactly (laughs)
4: <laughs> and now I'm smart enough to say, okay, this isn't this isn't government censorship. I know yeah. that it's not First Amendment and all yeah, that yeah. other bullshit. But this is corporate censorship, and yeah. that pisses me
3: off just as bad. Yeah, as, and, and like needless corporate censorship. But they're in those movies. Yeah, it's not yeah. as if you it's not not as if you went out and actually physically filmed people taking their tops off. It's yeah, actually exactly. in the movies, and it's in context of what you're discussing. So it's yeah. for review purposes, which should I don't know.
4: Uh, no it's absolutely within youtube guidelines of that hey if it's educational if it's a discussion we're good with it but ah. oh
1: well and and also what is the point of having age-restricted videos if you can't release videos that are intended for people over 18 that can have that sort of thing like uh, like it it should be like a you know that that's what they should have done is just you know, age-restricted all your videos, which they might have already been, rather than nuking the whole fucking channel. It's just like, I, I don't under, I understand why they don't want certain videos to be viewed by children, but I don't understand why they have an 18 plus option if they're not gonna fucking use it.
4: Exactly. And there's no granularity to it all. It's, you know, it, It's a, they went right to the nuclear option. They didn't just delete the one offending video, which yeah. I think was the toy box. Um, <laughs> Which is a little racy. We had some boobies in that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just take that one video down, yeah. and then leave the rest. Of it. But no, fucking YouTube.
3: <laughs> oh well. You so you have a, you've kind of set up uh, a new channel.
4: Yes. Uh, we're uh, calling it uh, uh, Psycho Toaster
2: Productions, Psycho which was my when I was so in
4: high uh, not high school in college when I took video uh, production. Uh, my videos uh, channel or my what the hell's is word I'm looking for.
3: Production company. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll include links to that in the show notes, and we encourage everyone to go across and check them out. And then, like like Mark does, Mark tells me like uh, like once we've done the reviews and stuff, he goes back checks your videos um, to see how wrong we were and how much stuff we've missed out, which is usually <laughs> quite a lot, and we're always uh, well out. Um, so <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, for me, I mean. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> like goes on. Um, I don't even know. I, I it does not feel like a month since we recorded last mark. Um and truth be told, the day that we record this is the day that this episode is going out to keep us on track because that's what I do. Um but yeah, i d I don't even think I've done anything like hugely exciting at all or watched anything of I've I've watched plenty of movies, but I don't know if they're like nasty worthy. Um, so what we'll do is we will put a, a pin in this conversation and take it to the heart of the matter what the people have tuned in for and that's a discussion on two movies on this episode bringing in for episode 26 ladies and gents for your listening pleasure we will be covering GBH from 19 I believe it's 1980 but I, for some reason gotta love imdb it's like well it came out of your country in 83 and I'm like, that's great but when did it actually get made i think it was made in 1980 but it says 1983 on my page so fuck it um, and naked fist aka firecracker Ooh. roger Ooh. corman yes roger corman roger corman financed movie with the chick that dated fonzie uh, and the show happy days which i saw her movies <laughs> I saw her boobies in this movie, which I found out in the trivia uh, for this movie was something that Corman said he wanted added to the movie. So there was no boob scene and Corman was like, show me the boobies and um, they put them right in there, uh, w- along with one of the least convincing sex scenes I've seen in the movie. The most
4: hilarious sex scene. Oh yeah, one, it's like, one of the weirdest,
1: maybe.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, when they, like generally, you, you know those like uh, if you watch like Naked Gun and stuff when they're undressed and it's like the guns fall in or you know like he's, he's taking off all the weapons and all the rest. And this one, we just take out a variety of sharp implements to remove one item of clothing at a time. Um, and we go. I've never seen boobs released with a scythe before, so that was a that was a, that was a first. That was a first. Uh, we'll try that. With the we're getting ahead on. of ourselves uh, Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's, it's where we're going first Mark and that's why I was setting up our first ah, movie nice. of discussion on this episode will be Naked Fist aka Firecracker from 1981 as always on this show we will take a short break and you're going to hear people from the video Nasty Documentary uh, who will give you an introduction as to a bit of information on the movie and why 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 they think it was potentially banned Um, When we return after the trailer for the movie, myself, Tony, Mark, will be sitting down, getting down and dirty with some Firecracker, a.k.a. Naked Fist, right after this.
0: Here we have Naked Fist by Sirio Santiago. It's also known as Firecracker. It was made back in 1981. The box art features the American one-sheet poster as released by Manson International and most of this company's other releases also just use the posters. It's basically a remake of Santiago's earlier TNT Jackson, a exploitation movie, but this time round there's no black blaxploitation, a lot of action and more nudity and stuff. Here we get Julianne Kesner, who you might recognise from Raw Force, who plays Susan Carter, a six-band black belt karate champion and martial arts teacher, who heads to the Philippines to track down her missing reporter sister. After a bar fight, she gets a few locals on her side, including Bartender Pete.
1: Hey, you're okay.
0: ..and a kung fu expert called Ray. With their help, she finds her sister's camera, and when she gets the film developed, she finds pictures of a local hoodlum called Chuck Donner, who works at a place called The Arena, which is a vicious martial arts fighting club. It turns out that her sister was doing a story on the place. The club is owned by Eric, another bruiser and in order to gain his trust she has to prove her fighting ability by getting up on stage and fighting their local champ strangely susan finds herself in an ongoing fling with chuck from then on she encounters numerous subs that must literally fight for her life in order to discover the reason for her sister's disappearance if you like trashy movies then this one really is well worth tracking down it's a lot of fun there's a hilarious fight scene where our heroine is sort of chased through all these alleyways and this factory and she loses bits of clothing on the way she ends up in a pair of skinny knickers after losing her bra by with a knife this was one of the additional scenes Corman had shot by a guy called alan holzman and it's a standout moment holzman of course went on to direct the science fiction movie forbidden world oh if you recognize the soundtrack from somewhere it's probably because it was also using shogun assassin i reckon it was probably put on the section free list for the scene where um, her clothes are cut off with a knife because that's you could probably say it's sexual violence of some sort. That's the only thing I could see in it that would probably have, have the powers to be, you know, worrying a bit. Firecracker, see Jillian Kestner, grand prize winner at the Black Belt Olympics mix seduction with destruction in the screen's first kung fu classic. And
3: welcome back, ladies and gents. So, ha you've just heard the trailer for Firecracker, aka Naked Fist from 1981, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh, it's time. Uh, this one is directed by. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Sirio? Uh, Sergio, C- 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 maybe Sirio? Chirio, Chirio, Chirios, uh, H Santiago. <laughs> what about C H Santiago? That sounds good. Let's go it's with It's not that. an
4: episode unless Duncan stumbles over the yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> there's
3: going to be plenty of this because this film in Taiwan, I believe. Uh, so um, it's based on the story by Ken Metcalf, uh, the director, and Alan Hosman. Uh, who came to do the additional scenes, probably on the orders of uh, one Roger Corman. Uh, The movie stars Gillian Kessner, Darby Hinton, Ray Malonzo, Ken Metcalf is in this movie, uh, Pete Cooper, Don Gordon-Bell, Carolyn Smith, Chanda Romero, no relation to Georgie. Um, We have Tony Ferreira, uh, Vic Diaz, Omar Kamar. Um I wanted to say that this guy's name was <laughs> Ruben Superman, but it's not. It's Ruba <laughs> Stop Superman. Stop laughing, Mark. Um and some other still it uh, some other folk are in this movie. Synopsis for this one is listed on the IMDBs is Femme Fatale Martial Arts Expert teaches the mafia a lesson. Which I mean is in a nutshell. Essentially it, yeah. yeah. They're
1: sorta of the mafia. They're they're more like a, a drug running ring, basically.
3: They're the mafia
1: mark. <laughs> when, I, when I hear mafia I think of Italians, alright? They call me racist, but that's that's what I think of.
3: They're the mafia mark. They're the <laughs> Thai, Taiwanese Cosa Nostra, right? You just have to deal with it. Um, <laughs> I, I I'll I'll take the charge on this one. I'm then going to swing it over at Tony right. and then swing it to Mark to clear up on the back end here. Uh, this was a first-time watch for me. Um, I had never heard of this movie before. Uh, turns out Roger Corman uh, not only produced this one, but he took a little flurry. Um, I'm not sure if it was for tax reasons. Um, and to finance <laughs> in several movies from Taiwan, all in a similar theme uh, and that sim- similar theme was a bit of titillation, bit of martial arts, easy to make, short run time, Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your aunt um, and to be honest that's kind of what you get here the the biggest thing that I can say as a plus point to this movie out with the fact that I did laugh a lot while watching it um, is it's run time this movie gets in, gets done and gets out fast. Uh, there is really the only two scenes that have any sort of drag on them involve lovemaking which go on a bit too long um, or some kind of scenery perusal uh, which once again if you're in if you're in this part of the world and you've got a camera, take your time and film it because you're you're getting scenery that you would not be able to recreate on a Hollywood lot with any, any amount of ease um so yeah i mean that's that's it first and foremost the story is about as like um, cliched as anything you've ever seen before it's pretty much every martial arts action movie ever um it's been done to death uh in the case of this one our main heroine here um who is played by the aforementioned and i just clicked the button so i lost how you pronounce her surname anyone oh, wow. Uh, uh, Kessner? Kessner, no. that's it. Gillian uh, yeah. Kesner. Um, she is a martial arts instructor from Los Angeles. Who has a sister who is over in this. Oh, we never find out why, uh, but she's she's over. Rubbing shoulders and boobies, most likely, with uh, people in the Mafia who are holding some underground fight ring. It's basically Bloodsport, right? Um, in fact, like my, my, one of my first observations where she meets the guy that owns the bar was this guy looks like the guy that breaks bricks over his head from Bloodsport. Is this movie you know, has yeah. Blood just ripped off this movie? Um it's, it's also
1: Mortal Kombat, it's also enter the Dragon, it's, oh,
4: it's also so many Kung Fu flicks. Yeah,
1: it's all the- <laughs> of them. Master the Flying Guillotine is exactly like this. It's kinda- all of
3: them, and the martial arts is not as good as any of them, but it kind of adds to its charm. So anyway, she comes over because at the beginning we see <laughs> The white man, because it's a Hollywood movie, uh, the white man beat up some some Asians uh, using their own techniques as a badass killer um, and whilst this is happening, a woman is abducted, turns out her sister is this badass Gillian Kesner woman who comes across embeds uh, herself in the scenery and the scene um, basically ingratiating herself to the, the players in the mafia to infiltrate the mafia question mark Uh, and find out what happens to her sister and in the kind of background of that she's also there to learn the final elusive martial arts technique that will make her the deadliest killer of all time which I think involves poking someone with a stick that's certainly what I took away from it Um, (laughs) yeah it
1: does
3: (laughs) uh, I was like okay Uh, and it does pay off this is Chekhov's hidden secret manoeuvre. Um, it does pay off at the end. But yeah, so she does this. Uh, meanwhile, there's a police investigation. The police don't want her getting too involved. There's like friendly natives who also want to try and bring down the, the fighting troop. And that's in the background. There's a master who's teaching students on a hill. And there's her herself who is maybe, question mark, falling for the lead killing machine of the enemy which you would think of until the final scene where this guy about five times says I don't want to hurt you and then she beats the shit out of him and he's like please don't make me hurt you and then she hits him again with sticks and he's like please I don't want to do this and then she takes his fucking eyes um, so yeah I mean it's 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 poorly scripted it's, it's terribly acted the choreography is Fucking hilarious, and we only had three sound effects for someone being hit, and we used them a lot. Uh, like Mark, which is will you... two
4: more than uh, than GBH though.
3: Yes. Oh yeah, it has one. Sound. <laughs> but I I, I I like to think that when Mark does his gig, he's gonna have all these different sound pads and all the rest, and he's just gonna have three kung fu noises, which he's just gonna yep. play in the middle of the song. <laughs> yeah, like he's just gonna, he's literally gonna just use those in the middle of the songs. Um, plus points for this one. Like I say, its runtime is super quick. Its soundtrack sim sounds like arcade music, which did make me smile. Um, there's plenty of fight scenes. None of them are good, but they they land almost every five minutes. There's a fight scene, which you want in a movie that is kind of lacking in everything else. Uh, the dialogue is fucking horrific, like absolutely horrific and I love how serious <laughs> everyone is when they're saying their lines it just yep. it adds to it it just really really does um, but for the most part it's it's got beautiful scenery, it's shot well, I mean this one is like they speed up the action for obvious reasons um, but it's, it's shot it's shot competent and it's shot well and it doesn't look like a cheap cheap movie it's just the cheapness comes in and the, the, the fact that no one here feels like a fully trained martial artist, and um, the ones that are are carrying the fucking fight scenes on their back. And like I say, the you know the the dialogue itself is what we would class in Scotland is being pretty honking, so it's not not nice at all. But <laughs> I, I would I would be lying if I didn't say I was entertained from start to finish in this movie, like all the way through it. I was kind of clapping. Uh, I was kind of cheering along. I wanted things to get ludicrous. They got ludicrous. I wanted her top to come off. Her top came off. Uh, even when they tease a couple of times where she's biting an underwear, and I was like, "Don't do this to me!" And then that came <laughs> off, and I was like, "Yes, yes, movie." Uh, Roger Corman. I fucking love Roger Corman. Like, I, I really do. I can't stress my love for him. That was—it's his notes. There needs to be boobs in this movie. Yes, Roger Corman. There needs to be. Boobs in this movie and this feminist story. There needs to be boobs in this movie. I agree with you. High five. Um, and yeah, like, like I say, this is you've seen this movie before. I guarantee you've not this particular movie, but you've seen about 25 iterations of this movie before. Well, it's
4: essentially the big boss when you get right down to it.
3: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, it, you've and there's a there's something familiar about that that kind of makes it very easy to watch. Like, this movie was not a chore at all to sit through. It, you know, I like I say, I clapped, I smiled, I, I laughed far too much, uh, and just some of the cringe, like, pure, pure cringe in this movie. But by the end of it, when it finished, and the most ludicrous ending that it could have had, like, she'd, like, were, oh, the, the mafia's been taken down, her lover's eyes have been crushed with this special technique she's got, Cue the arcade music I was like yeah let, let's let's do that again so yeah I, I mean it's kind of what I thought it was going to be it delivered exactly what I thought it was going to be from the description and from the poster artwork um, I will say this I know that the lead star here are Gillian Kesner was not formally trained in the martial arts, and I'm going to see it shows. Our, our spinning back kick is very low um, and doesn't look like it has much velocity behind it. So she's not really doing much with that. Uh, but that critique aside, I I thought it was it was fun. It was dumb. It was fun. It was entertaining, and it didn't make me hate myself. Watching it, which is is a bonus over some of the episodes we've recorded thus far uh tony you're a big fan of this movie you said so at the start um let us know like this was a revisit after a revisit what let us know here like was this one that you'd seen back in the day or was this the first time watch when you covered it for the first time
4: I, and this was the first time watch when we covered it so I saw it a couple of a couple of months ago and then uh, i watched it again just recently so this is what my second showing nice um i am f- completely on board with you this is an absolutely terrible movie this is i, I but it is such fun uh, i am firmly in the uh, john waters uh school of thinking where there is no such thing as a a bad movie yes. just a boring one yes. and this one is not boring at all um, it doesn't have aspirations to be this big you know it, it knows what it wants to do it absolutely stays in this lane where it's you know a, a fuck ton of kung fu and a light sprinkling of titties yes
3: yes uh,
4: so you know I, I love my Shaw brothers I love my Jackie Chans so you know this will never replace them but if i just want something dumb and fun absolutely going for and quick and quick and quick yes. never
3: like never undersell like, like i said to mark when i was announcing what the two movies were in the last recording i was like neither one of these movies has a runtime over an hour and 20 minutes that's a win
4: perfect absolutely perfect so yes i am totally on board with this movie
3: in terms of like so on the revisit though i, I like because one of the things that i felt personally when it finished was like I could see my, I can see myself watching this again this year.
4: Oh, this was on Blu-ray, if this was on Blu-ray, I would totally
3: buy it in a hot. I second. think it might be. I I think I read somewhere that Shout Factory may have either put it out or they're about to put it out. So oh
4: well i'm totally getting then. i will absolutely <laughs> so, buy this fucking thing
3: there we go it hasn't been released over here and nor do i think it ever will be uh just because i know what the uk is like but uh yeah some weird fact stuff like i say behind it like the corman connection is is interesting because it's not something you would generally consider as an oeuvre that corman himself would be interested in doing
4: not really in his wheelhouse but i mean he chases you know it's like hey star wars is a big fine fuck it let's make three star wars movies and go yeah uh, so <laughs> i could totally see in the 80s when uh kung fu was kind of getting big and enter the dragon had just dropped and was getting big yeah that yeah roger's like give me some kung fu what do we got
3: yep yeah i, th- I think that's the thing is they used them um, as if this is a fact that like no one else used they used the same uh, location um Planner as uh, apocalypse now, but I think anyone that shot in Thailand, uh, Thailand at this time, used that guy um, because he was the he was the guy you went to that showed you where you could film and not die. Um, so the, the, a, a bit of a, a bit of a link in there as well. Mark Ball, you had uh, you, you are you have a firecracker tattoo. As a crack <laughs> stamp on your lower back that no one knows about except me, and I saw it and no one can ask me how I saw it. Um you sat down and watched this movie for the first time. Um oh by the way, it's on a it's on a collection called Lethal Ladies. Right, by Shout but that's only DVD. Only, DVD. So, only on DVD, alright, so no blu Ray.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, well in the states you can watch this on Tubi. I don't know. I didn't watch that version, so I don't know how complete it is. Uh, we've yeah. run into a couple times where Tubi has the edited versions of some of these movies, like Mad Foxes is a shortened yeah. version. <laughs> you, uh, got,
3: you got you got cheated so much in that movie. Yeah, Listen. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I went back and but the there there's a DVD of that. <laughs> so that you can get that's uncut that i showed to my my same friends a couple weeks ago and uh yeah got got all the uncut dick glory of that movie so much penis <laughs> uh but fire firecracker right out the gate the first thing i noticed is this movie lifted a bunch of music from shogun assassin or yeah. maybe vice versa like the oh, main, no, yeah. main theme right out the gate is the exact same main theme right out the gate is fucking shogun assassin
4: And that did my head in so much because I love Shogun Assassin and I've seen that movie like dozens of times. And so when there's this intimate sex scene and they're using Daigoro's theme, the the child from uh, uh, Lone Wolf and Cud, I'm like, okay, this is (laughs) not right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's that's a little weird. Uh, (laughs) but yeah i hadn't uh uh, i i think i heard of this i I saw a documentary about kung fu movies at fantastic fest a couple years ago that was like pretty long and got into a lot of this and i remembered a little bit of uh, a chapter about like uh trying to have more women as like leads in martial arts movies for a brief period of time like
3: uh yeah that cynthia rock cynthia rothrock became the kind of poster for that in the mid 80s yeah kind of, yeah she was the female chuck norris but before that i think they tried various different iterations to try and get and whenever it was done like see if you look at um uh kind of black exploitation movies there's always an element of kung fu in there even by the you know the badass chicks your Pam Greers and all the rest but it's never explicitly that they trained at a dojo or were like a a six six damn black belt master or anything like that it's just they happen to be jive and know how to throw a wicked axe kick um, <laughs> so yeah like in the case of this one they like a conscientious push but never really ever took hold and like i say, even cynthia rothrock wasn't as big a star as she probably should have been considering all the shit she could do so
1: yeah yeah her, her whole thing fizzled out pretty quick and yeah they try really hard with uh pippy longstocking or whoever the fuck the chick is in this one she's uh uh she she, she has a face and a haircut kind of like alicia silverstone and clueless so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason what i was thinking a lot of but i i actually think the fight choreography of this is pretty good i mean i think it's shot badly at times like there's times where you can tell they maybe did one or two takes of this and just shot it from like a couple static cameras and it looks it looks a little lazy, but the choreography itself, I think, is, like, pretty fun. And, there, there's a uh, scene
3: where that guy was mentioning, it looks like he's from Bloodsport. It's in the fight in the bar, which happens at the start for no fucking reason at all. Uh, it's never really explained. <laughs> no, <laughs> no reason at all. Yeah, but the camera pins around and he's, he's, he's clearly about, like, three foot taller than anyone else in there, and he actually physically yep. grabs a guy and Pushes them along the bar like it's a western. Um, yep, I, I was love watching like, What the fuck are we doing here?
1: That should have been in the foreground. There's there's great shit going on in the background of that. And yeah, it's just one, one long choreographed take of people just beating each other's asses for absolutely no reason. Yeah,
3: Jillian I, I kind of here adult. looks like Melissa George from PC She does look like there's a bit of oh yeah, to... bastard. Yep. she does like like uh, about four or five times. I was like, do it the
4: problem that i had with oh no the problem that i had with the choreography was that it it, i am growing up on like the jackie chans and stuff and they're in this warehouse and they've got all these ladders and boxes and nets and all this crazy shit and i'm thinking okay they're gonna go crazy they're gonna use it never
3: touch it at all no no no, it's it's still a static that's why when i said it reminded me of an arcade game like it's an arcade game from the 80s where you've got like nowadays if you're playing a fighter game everything's like like you can Fuck people through walls, you know. Everything's a weapon. But back in the day, it was like background, foreground. (laughs) Only foreground characters can do things, and everything else can't be touched. (laughs) And it did feel like, like even even the scene where they did with the moustache. Who, by the way. Fucking what a mustache? Uh, like, they did with the mustache. He's fighting those guys at the beginning. He's standing in front of what is supposed to be three martial arts masters who all have different weapons. And I'm like, all these weapons are cool as fuck. Um, but only one of them gets used. And then they do the same at the end where they're standing with like three of them. And I'm like, use all the weapons. No, and they, they don't do that. Only one weapon for you, Duncan. And it's this is clearly foam spear, which we're going to weave in front <laughs> of him. Um, how do you how do you get on with the dialogue, Mark?
1: uh it's dubbed like uh like like pieces kind of it's it's very loose and you can see people's mouths moving when you can't hear any dialogue and uh yeah it's 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 pretty par for the course for like bad kung fu movies and that's why why, why that's such a trope slash stereotype of kung fu movies is the dubbing is always fucking terrible but uh, like, for all I know, they may not have recorded any on sound dialogue. This entire thing is dubbed. Felt like it felt
3: like it was ADR. Yeah.
1: yeah. Dubbed and done by so, sort of lazy Foley artists. They're probably Foley artists that were under intense time constraints and were recording all this shit on like reel to reel. So, like, you, you know, d- remember d- digital word, artists remember are so spoiled. Here,
3: and that one word is Corman. So we'll have it yep. done cheap.
1: Right. yeah everything like, is fast and cheap that's 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 how he cranked out like fucking 20 of these things a year it's basically the
3: skill of roger corman you don't like you spent not a penny more than you actually physically need to to get the movie out oh, well yep. that's
4: why he did a ton of shit in the philippines yep. like birdcage all this shit.
3: <laughs> yeah you, you get that you get them all done make you make as much money as you can to make the next picture and then you don't yep. go back yep. uh, so here's the question though because I was thinking about this this has titillation for sure and there's no getting right. around that um, it was like doing a bit of investigation it was released in the UK um, cut <laughs> where they took out all the nudity um, specifically the nudity that involved like weapons it's a big no no for the BBFC in the UK it was anything to do with knives and nipples ain't happening even if it doesn't stab a tit they won't have it on the screen. Um so but it was re- it was release cut here in cinemas but yet still pulled afterwards um the there's a couple of suspicions around that one of them could have been the name Naked Fist doesn't lend itself uh, to to your your average copper in a shop as a movie that isn't necessarily going to be uh, slightly titillating and violent at the same time, and that's a no-no. Uh, but, I mean, I was looking at this, and it's uncut version. And to me, there's nothing in this movie at all. It's like the violence is... It sped up, well, you mentioned it, Shaw Brothers. It sped up Shaw Brothers action. You don't really see much in the way of proper full on death in the final scene. Granted, yes, a guy's eyes are crushed with two sticks, but we don't linger on that shot for any great length of time. And it's no more horrific than anything else I've seen in movies which clearly pass fine today. So I was surprised and I expected it. To have something in it, like a rape scene or something that which would have elevated it, but it's just not in there. What's your thoughts, Tony?
4: Uh, that's gotta be it the sexualized violence. The I know that, like, well, like, uh, they made the TMNT one or two, I don't remember which one, where they had the uh, two sausage links that uh, Raphael was using, like uh, uh yeah. nunchucks, and they <laughs> made part, cut two. Cut, cut part two, part uh, two. So we know the BBFC has a huge issue with like throwing stars and nunchucks and shit. like that. Oh yeah, that. nunchucks
3: were officially. I think they may still be banned as a as a, a thing in the UK. It's a huge no no. So
4: so if so if I'm a betting man, that's where I'm going to put my money down. Is that it was the uh, the ninja weapons that got the movie in trouble?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It just feels like there's nothing else that's what i was no. watching it I was thinking there's nothing else about this movie at all like it's the it, most the warehouse sex scene i've ever seen yeah
4: the, the the there's the yeah the warehouse guard he's got a little bit of blood there's yeah. the eye gouging at the end and then there's the, uh, the the sex scene and that's it yeah that's it
3: yeah it's, it's surprisingly tame which which brings me to final thoughts in this movie before i ask you for your grade, mark any any final thoughts after is this a movie you would watch again is this one for your right guys you are now on this journey with me through the nasties and i only picked the cream of the crop for you guys to sit through is uh, is firecracker aka naked fist going to be one of those ones
1: yeah absolutely it, it ticks a lot of boxes for me it's got a great synth score it's a pretty rad kung fu movie It's got, I think, just enough nasty stuff to maybe land it on like the softest of tier three lists. Uh, But, you know, it it carries that notoriety with it a little bit and it's full of boobs, full of boobs. So, yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is an easy watch. And yeah, it's like an hour and 17 minutes or something. That's including credits, including credits, which are also very short. But yeah, you you can blast through this thing pretty quick. This This is an easy, this is like a lazy Sunday kind of
3: movie final thoughts tony ah uh, i i i
4: unobjectively love this i'm <laughs> unabashedly i fucking love this thing uh, so yeah no I I, I I go watch it go watch the fucker
3: yeah i think like w- like with a lot of these things the greatest thing that could ever happened to a movie like this is being on the tier three nasty list and just oh absolutely Instantly gives it. Uh, instantly gives it a, a, a level of notoriety, which will mean that people will, even to this day, check out a movie like this on the off chance that it might have something which they've never seen before because it's on a banned list. Um, yeah, I thought it's so much fun. We'll definitely watch again. Uh, like made me laugh and smile in ways which not a lot of movies do these days. So I, I was very happy in terms of the grading over here, Tony, as you're very familiar with. We have mm-hmm. a very bizarre way of grading movies over here we do it from a censor's point of view of the time we have a four classifications hard time is given to those movies, to be honest I don't think we've ever really done much in the way of anything this series on hard time because they're not going to be uh, but that's for your ice bits on your graves, your right. holocausts those sort of ones, the next tier underneath hard time uh, is a little bit of that community service that's where you, you know you did something wrong we all saw it now you're sorry about it and you have to go and work it off uh, there's a little slap on the wrist for you're starting, to, you're starting to play with those rules a little bit in a way which uh, we see what you're doing and then there's the, the big old case dismissed where there's nothing really here to merit it, I am coming in case dismissed I think oh, this is one of the more harmless movies that we've watched in a while, Mark. in fact I'm actually surprised at how harmless this movie is even with the nudity uh, Tony you said
4: you agreed there, yeah? Absolutely case dismissed. There is nothing to this. Uh, You know, if it's a, you know, an R-rated or a 15, I'd be shocked.
3: Ball, what's your grade for this one, buddy?
1: I'd probably go with the case dismissed. Really, like, the only scenes where this one gets, like, real into, like, even close to nasty kind of territories. Yeah, like the weird sex scene with the knives, which feels a little bit rapey and the warehouse scene which also feels a little bit rapey and we we didn't mention the uh the the very fulci-esque uh kill on the fucking the the mounted bandsaw or whatever the hell that oh, is God. where these face just goes like straight into it yeah like that that was pretty gnarly and kind of took me by surprise same with the security guard being like thrown uh back first onto like a, a the blade of like a shovel or something that goes through him, and we get like a nice big blood splurt but it's uh, again it's it's the 3m blood it's pretty unrealistic kind of like the eye gouge at the end which lasts all of a fucking millisecond but uh that's about it the rest this is pretty fucking tame especially compared to a lot of these even just like shot in the philippines or taiwan or wherever the hell this was shot kind of uh exploitation movies of the time this is uh this is way you know you you could cut this down to like it's a pg-13 pretty fucking easy i think
3: yeah. nice, nice, well gentlemen, we're going to put that one to bed and then we're going to get to the moment I know Tony's been waiting for um, and I'm going to say me as well and I'm going to speak for Mark, I'm going to say we're all excited uh, moving into this next review and we're going to take a <laughs> short break you're going to hear people from the Video Nasty's documentary talk about GBH I cannot wait to hear who does the intro for this one I've, I literally don't have any clue on this one Um, whoever it is has has a lot of explaining to do um, and I look forward to hearing it Um, you're also going to hear the trailer when we return it's time to talk about GBH we'll be doing that myself Mark and Tony right after
2: this this is a copy of GBH it's by a man called Cliff Twemlow who I wrote a book about Cliff was the Orson Welles of Salford and this was his first foray into the home video market and it remains a kind of cult classic to this very day because of its uh, its content, its exciting action sequences and its very strange and very bizarre relationship to uh, Manchester gangland culture. And as it says on here, the long Good Friday set a new and exciting trend in British films following right on its heels is GBH. The Austin Wells of Salford, Cliff Twemlow, was a nightclub bouncer from about the age of 16. But he then got part-time work at Granada Studios as an extra in things like The Caesars and also a lot in the... Bar of the Rovers' Return in Coronation Street. And there he made um, friends uh, with a variety of people in different jobs at Granada, like the, the Derek Hilton, the music producer, um, and Peter Adamson, who would later go on to uh, his own kind of peculiar fame, um, and David Kent Watson, who was probably the best sound engineer at Granada, uh, but who left there in 1969 to set up uh, a recording studio in the centre of Manchester. Cliff would, Uh, through these people, discovered the wonderful world of um, theme music and uh, jingles and whatnot. And because he couldn't write music or play an instrument, he used to go around with an early cassette player and hum into this. And he's supposed to have written something like 2,000 Tunes and got a contract with uh, DeWolf. Um, So it was background music, um, jingles, and even songs. He put out suites of songs, one of which was used in Dawn of the Dead. Um, I believe, and some of his stuff was recorded by the Pretty Things under uh, a variety of names, some pure psychedelia. Another string to the Orson Welles of Salford's bow was um, that he decided to become a pulp fiction novelist. Um, and he wrote, when he was hospitalised after a particularly severe beating, kind of bounces philosophy called Tuxedo Warrior. But just for that alone, that he deserves to live forever, I and mean, it's a great title. Um, and Tuxedo Warrior was optioned by an American film production company. And Cliff got £25,000 and a trip to Zimbabwe because he got a bit part in the movie. And it was there that he was turned on to the idea of making films. When Cliff gets back from Zimbabwe and figures, I'm gonna make a movie, he writes the script straight away. And then he thinks, what am I going to do? So he, he goes to David Kent Watson, um, who by now has got a video production company called Ice. I think mainly they were doing weddings. Um, but why not shoot the movie? So off they go with uh, their one camera. And they basically write a, a manual that uh, Rodriguez would be impressed by of um, guerrilla filmmaking. So Cliff would walk into a pub and say the manager said it was all right for us to film this fight sequence. Now, the odds were that somebody would say, well, I'm the manager and I haven't given permission, so go, oh, sorry, I made a mistake, and you'll go. Or the person in the said, oh, okay, all right then, and that's how they'd film the fight sequences, in impulse. Um, car chases, they just block the road off and then film the car chases. Gunplay in what later became Gunchester. They walked around armed to the teeth with sawn-off shotguns, Webley revolvers, this, that and the other. John St. Ryan, who went on to Hollywood fame and fortune, it was the first movie um, that he'd ever been in because Cliff used to work out in a gym with him and said, we'll have you in a movie. He'd never acted. He then later on went to become Bette Lynch's boyfriend um, in Coronation Street and um, Sean Connery's stand-in um, in various Hollywood movies. So. It gave a start to a whole lot of people. GBH is set in a kind of mythical Mancunian gangland uh, subculture. Um, It's bloody, it's violent, um, it's populated by uh, martial artists of the area, including people like Steve Powell, who uh, was trained by Bruce Lee. GBH was apparently um, a big hit with the troops on their way to fight in the Falklands. This is the very early days of domestic video, and it was World Video 2000, one of their biggest hits. Um, and if you think back in those days, uh, you could rent videos almost anywhere, news agents, the corner shop, garages. Um, they would buy a copy, and those copies were like up to 35 £40, pounds, which in those days was quite a bit of money. Then they'd rent them out. Um, and it's supposed to have sold something like six thousand copies in the first year um so for world of video it was a big hit um cliff and david kent watson who was his director then um realized that there was a fabulous potential market for vhs and that essentially is how he spent the next 10 years um piggybacking the next production on the money coming in from the previous one but the, the problem is that cliff had a very cavalier attitude to royalties, Um, and he would go to the Millionaire Club in Manchester, which was populated by fairly rich people, not Peter Stringfellow's Club. Um, And he would offer people a chance to be in the movie business. Um, But he would often, like the producers, sell 120%. Um, So now when you're trying to track uh, who's got the rights to what, um, it's an extremely murky, strange and... uh, Confusing business. Cliff made over ten years ten movies. GBH two, which was a return to GBH, which lasts twice as long because almost all of GBH is done as a flashback in it. Um, while the the old crew reprise their former roles, so a man with a vision, and uh, unfortunately a man whose whose vision was cut short by his untimely death, brought about by him not winning the granddad universe competition at salford tech um, cliff lied about his age he always put five years on top of it so when he came second um, despite the fact that he was he wasn't old enough to be in the competition he took to steroids in order to uh, body build. Uh, and unfortunately it pumped his heart out um, but cliff is now an inspiration so a whole generation of uh, filmmakers in the north of England and uh, his, his reputation spreading far and wide. So, hopefully, there will be a cliff retrospective in the pipeline at some point in the not too distant future. Keller's back.
0: Took over the rainbow rooms last night. Chevis came in on the doorman, wiped the floor off. When I say go, we'll cripple the bastard. My club next, the zoo. If Keller wants something, he takes it. I want that club. Do you understand? Nobody can stand up to Keller. There is one man who can stand up to him. Oh yeah, who's that? The Mancunian.
4: Charles Bronson.
3: You look old. Too old.
4: I
2: see too old. Nobody tells Big Nick Rafferty
3: when he's had enough to drink.
2: Is a go off. Oh, it isn't. What about those two cups there then? <laughs> and
3: welcome back, ladies and Haha, <laughs> you've just heard the trailer for GBH. Assuming there is a trailer, I'm gonna assume there is one. If it isn't, I'm just gonna find dialogue for the movie. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. What is the trailer? The trailer must just be someone going, Donovan! 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 Which is said about a million times. <laughs>
1: Donovan! The- but do they not I like,
3: think of, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but they refer to him by a nickname?
4: Oh, the Mancunian Man. Yeah, the Mancunian Man,
3: which I'm like, right, this is cool as fuck. And then that gets dropped about three minutes into the movie and then there's just Donovan after that. And I'm like, oh, right, he's just Donovan now. So anyway, this is directed by David Kent Watson. He has a double-barreled name, which means he's fancy. Um, (laughs) And it was written by Cliff Twemlow who also stars as Donovan, uh, who was a real-life bouncer. This has got shades of Mafia Massacre, honestly, ripping out it. Oh, God, the bad
2: story on this
4: is so fascinating. Honestly.
3: (laughs) Uh, So he was a bouncer, uh, and uh, kind of moonlighted in the movie industry, For a while. Um, So he wrote this one, but he also stars in it as Steve Donovan. We have Jane Cunleaf, Anthony Schaefer, Brett Sinclair, Jerry Harris, Lenny Holworth, Steve Powell, John St. Ryan, who plays Big Nick Rafferty, uh, who is an ironic nickname because he's small. Uh, Ian Keith, Sharon Trimlow, uh, who I would assume is related to Cliff, Nepotism. I'm a 7 she is the zoo disco rosie so there we are uh, we have <laughs> that's not even my name D Chris Philosopher yeah Dennis Edwards and some other folk in here let's not spend time on this uh, synopsis for this one is a bouncer is called in to help fight off a mob boss who's trying to take over local night clubs once again, that's probably accurate. As, 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 as I mean, it's as to the point. And uh, let's be honest: the movie really doesn't have anything else except that.
4: I have a hard time arguing against that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, there's no like massive subplot here, where you know like like he was trained by MK Ultra monkeys or anything like that. It is literally a bouncer is released from jail is brought back to the life that. I would imagine his Her Majesty would want him not to go back to uh, after coming out of prison, but he goes back to and um, yeah. Uh, I know Tony, you're champing at the bit for this one, but I'm going to give it to Mark first, and then Mark will swing to you, and then I will bring it in at the end with the. With some things I just need to say. Uh, Mark, you sat down and watched GBH. Um, you weren't excited about this one. I, I'd, like, I'm like i trying to remember, you'd heard of this as well. as the hearing of this via Tony saying, if you guys cover this, I want to be on this? Or is this another one of these ones which uh, has appeared uh, in conversations at one of these film festivals you've been at?
1: No, I I never heard of this before until we started doing this and yeah, I I remember talking to Tony about this a long time ago and uh it was it was pretty close to what I expected. This is like a Guy Ritchie movie done via Tommy Wiseau. Uh this is <laughs> this is uh levels of incompetence that are honestly hard to find nowadays. Uh this is uh <laughs> It's, it's like they knew how to make a movie, but there's definitely scenes that, like, are evidence to the contrary. Um, yes. Lots of uh, you know, weird screen direction where people are looking off into fucking nothing and, like, don't appear... Lots of scenes where people don't appear to be in the same room oh, yes. when they're shooting oh, with yes. each other. Yeah, they're they're love, in entirely they, different universes. Yeah,
3: I fact. love the fact that they didn't chop off the awkward pause where someone says action to compare... <laughs> So we have like someone says something, then we flip to the, the the other view, and there's a guy like this. No, Steve, uh you're like what? Well, like, <laughs> shop it like, uh, anyway, yeah,
1: anyway. Uh, he, yeah. So this was uh the, also and bless Tony for getting us a copy of this because I yes. don't know where the fuck else you could watch this thing no. exactly besides just pirating the shit out of this. Just, but sorry, no, uh, shout the,
3: factory DVD of this. No, oh, this
1: no. <laughs> this version we watched was a digital copy of probably a fifth or sixth generation VHS rip of this, which just added to the hallucinogenic aspect of this like i really felt like i like had the flu by the time this thing was over it's just be like be
3: honest mark you got a full-on chump when some of that tracking started cutting through
1: like, oh well yeah yeah no, uh... that, that it definitely it definitely sets the mood and yeah it's good to it's good to occasionally step away from the, the gorgeous 4k <laughs> remasters that some of these companies do and just watch some that's how this movie was is probably intended to be seen. I almost don't want a cleaned-up version of this. Well, yeah, like, I don't know it if just you're adds aware, the trashiness.
3: I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the UK, we have pretty terrible teeth. You don't want to see them in high
1: definition. <laughs> uh, so, and man, this dude, that, the, this dude that plays Donovan looks like the love child of Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin if he was Australian. <laughs> that's, it's, that's what he looks like. If he was uh, roided out, especially. Like, is this dude, he, he's... He looks tall and imposing, but he's got that face. That's it's just offensive. like, oh, you remind like, me of I, two, two people I hate.
4: <laughs> I was thinking that he was kind of like if if uh, uh, Charles Bronson played yep. James Bond, that'd be this movie.
3: Well, they, they, they make a point of, like, that's the thing as well, which you should never do in movies, but they make a point as an interaction with characters where, she says, "Like he says, who do you think I am, Charles Bronson, and I was like that. You're now making me think of Death Wish, which is a better movie than this. But, but yeah. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Charles
1: Bronson's got fucking style too. Like, uh, well, he's, this, got,
3: this, he's, this, he's got a face, Mark. He he's, he's, he's doesn't got, really move. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know." Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just i've seen bronson in a few more movies and he kind of you know he's he, he does the same shtick in like pretty much everything he ever did much yeah. like uh late, later day bruce willis but um, you should yeah, try and watch
3: th- that movie that slasher movie what's it? well they called that a slasher it's not a slasher was it minutes to midnight oh 10
4: minutes to midnight.
3: yeah 10 yeah. minutes to midnight where the guy he's hunting is a serial killer who is naked and there's a scene where bronson is chasing them good yeah, like, there's a scene where Bronson is chasing them down the street, and this guy's just fully naked. And it's just like, like you could just see it in, this is like 1988, I think, you could just see it in Bronson's face as if to say, I need to get out of this contract. And, like, I don't know how I ended up with this canon contract, but I need to get out of this fucking canon contract.
4: Yeah, but that Death Wish money, uh, 5 money is, like, really good. So yeah,
1: yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> he he did what he had to do to pay the bills he's grandpa bronson at that point his his (laughs) grandkids need a lot of hard candy so uh he's he's making all them death wish movies but uh yeah the the dude that plays donovan is like uh (laughs) he can't he can't act his way out of a wet paper bag he's he's fucking atrocious in this and uh, i mean everybody kind of is like i kept trying to i didn't look at the credits or anything for this and i kept trying to play which one of these people is the director like it's got to be one of them it's either the guy that plays donovan or the guy that played the owns the bar like yeah. i thought for for a minute maybe like this is his this is his passion project he sunk his fucking measly life savings into this awful fucking action movie and uh <laughs> this is this is how it turned out like mass, massively forgotten about i'm sure like yeah. this is probably this this is probably gonna be a lot of people's like first introduction to this movie is hearing us talk about it i would think because i've never heard anybody else outside of tony talk about this movie so uh yeah it's <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hand it off to tony because I was, I was just like <laughs> dumbfounded by a lot of the spookists like what in the hell is this
4: all right let me be absolutely 100 percent crystal fucking clear.
3: He's getting his disclaimer right at the movie. start, Mark. His disclaimer's coming out right at the stop.
4: <laughs> this is a fucking terrible movie. I there is I can't think of one thing they've got right. Uh the opening credits, the theme sounds like it's a dollar store version of like on our Magic Secret service. Yeah. Um Just everything—the acting, the—it's just so terrible. But again, it's entertaining as fuck. Oh my god! I and it's short. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. It gets in, drops the payload, and gets the fuck out.
3: So yes, I I just have so much fun with this movie. It it kind of blew my mind in a lot of respects. Like I I watched him. There's, there's some movies that I've been talking about recently as well uh, so I recently watched Science Crazed which is an exercise in how how, how, does someone make a movie like that and that movie came about a decade after this um, and it's using all the same techniques it's just like a terrible editing, and like bad act and awful dialogue um, and just like to me anyone that thinks that the idea that the mob would ever try and launder money through making a movie as a conspiracy theory needs to watch this. It's the only explanation. It's the only explanation is someone somewhere has a Ponzi scheme in which they are trying to, like, swindle people out of money because this has, I mean, its story is about as basic as the description there. It really is a, a guy that owns a nightclub and he's there's a, 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 a mob boss who's going around Strong Arm and all these other nightclubs. So he decides this bouncer who's just been released from prison, we're going to bring him back. When oh, we we'll, we'll bring him back, we'll tell him that his wife has left him and sold the house. Uh, and then we'll try and take him on a goose chase to try and find where his wife has moved to, which leads to nothing except a fight scene. Uh, and then he's brought in, and then all of a sudden he's like charge of this nightclub again but not as a bouncer Uh, he's living up a bit of the high life mixing with you know some of the clientele he has once again one of the worst sex scenes I've ever seen in my entire life and a toilet where the girl like this is not how British people talk no one says oh Jesus Christ oh God yes yes oh oh and then he gets called a, a naughty boy later on by his friend who clearly <laughs> wants to have sex with him.
1: Oh yeah.
3: Right, the, 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 oh, the oh, whole roboticism oh, right. in this movie is fucking ridiculous, right? And I don't know how Cliff doesn't realise this because he wrote the movie. Uh, unless that's the part. And once again, if that's the part, I'm kind of dim with that. I think we said something similar about Mafia. Uh, Mafia Massacre still. There's a, there's, a, there's a something in the background there where you're kind of like, Are these characters in love? Uh, but they can't show their love i, d- I don't know <laughs> yeah they, they have a they have a chase scene in in the in, in park where they kind of are two steps away from flicking tails at each other's arses um, <laughs> and then they, like, like he, he finds a new girlfriend and this new girlfriend like loves them but doesn't love the lifestyle but clearly doesn't give a fuck to go anywhere else um and then the movie goes on for about 50 minutes before it remembers that there's mob bosses trying to take over, and then it's like, shit, we need to do this, So the last 20 minutes of this movie is bringing the mob people back in again, in which we get about four or five protracted scenes of, right, oh, well, now they're fighting, but you've bested me. Oh, but the boss isn't happy, so we better go back and fight him. Oh, no, guess what? He's bested me. Now he's walked into the boss, and... Said that his drink is as bad as his face, or some shit like that was (laughs) non insult. Uh, It was such a non insult. And then, well, there's a chase, and then there's a car chase. And then the thing that, like, the thing that leveled the movie up for me, because I'll be honest with you, this movie isn't isn't great, but the thing that leveled the movie up for me is it's the Mad Foxy's thing all over again. The end of this movie is fucking amazing. (laughs) Like, the last shot of this movie is fucking amazing because he gets rid of the mob boss I'm spoiling this for you he's for a movie from 1983 he's, he gets rid of the mob boss um manages to quell the war he's back at the restaurant where he's girl in his arm and he's sitting there and then the police show up armed with shotguns which didn't <laughs> happen right like didn't happen but the police come in to arrest him and he sends his girlfriend away and they're like Donovan Donovan you wait. Hands up from underneath the table, nice and slow, nice and slow, and um, he, t- he doesn't bring his hands up nice and slow, and we see the barrel of a shotgun fire, which means Donovan, the guy that we've been following, our hero of this movie, dies at the end of this movie, because very much, ve- and I didn't get the ending, I, don't, like, I thought this feels a bit strange. Like, Mad Fox has made total sense because it was just fucking stupid. Uh, we've done all this yet, and of course that was the ultimate the like, revenge you know, begets revenge, begets revenge, etc etc, etc, you know, that made sense did not make sense here. And then I remembered that we read a tagline on the previous episode and the tagline for this one was that it was more violent than the Long Good Friday. Now, the Long Good Friday is... It's, you know, it's top 10 British films ever made, in my opinion. It's top five gangster movies ever made, in my opinion. And it's a fucking tour de force of Bob Hoskins, right? And it's like one of those ones where you're watching it and go like that. Give him all the Oscars. This is like as good as it gets, right? And what happens at the end of that movie? At the end of that movie, our hero dies, right? Dies in a blaze of glory. And then I thought, Dave, just wholesale they've <laughs> just tried to they've tried to outdo this and then they've shoved the fucking tagline on the poster and part of me respects the balls of that like the balls of anyone it'd be like "It's the greatest gangster movie ever made we're just going to use it as a tagline on our movie and not credit where it came from like there's no credit for that one it didn't come from Total Film or Empire Magazine or anything like that it's just it's more violent than the, and it's not by the way like it's, it's so clearly not even on the same level of violence of The Long Good Friday. But that's that's where it falls in. It's got terrible dialogue. It's a, it's a showpiece for, obviously, the central character. And the like Tony said, and I'm going to hand it back to you now, Tony, but the score to this movie, and the credit a composer, is all over the fucking place. And like yep. From scene to scene, it does not know... What what decade it's in? Where we're actually at? What is actually a lot doing? of disco?
1: No, another one of these movies with extended disco dancing scenes.
3: Oh, dude! I was just I've got go- to pan that red time, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it was it was baffling. Like I actually got to the end of it and was kind of galled at how it's not even just like i always say i don't like criticizing movies because i've never made a movie i can tell you right now and i think with a degree of confidence and all the only time i will ever say this i could make a movie better than this
1: So <laughs> probably on like a weekend
3: I just, well, I think with an iphone shot on the weekend, dude. <laughs> <laughs> honestly tori help us here please uh. okay so
4: you say that you, you admire the uh the balls on uh cliff Twem- cliff twemelo i can't even say his goddamn name yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the I love the backstory on the, the production of yeah. the movie and the way this thing was made because what Cliff would do and the director and the creative team would do is that they would, the, the, okay, we've got a scene in the bar. So they would go to a bar in Manchester and just kind of roll up to the bartender and say, hey man, uh, we talked to the manager a couple of days ago and he said, it's great. We can shoot in here, no problem. Where would you like to set up? <laughs> and the bartender said, you know, you know, I'm the manager, and I never talk to you. Get the fuck out of my bar. They'll say, "Oh, obviously, I've got the wrong bar. My, I've got my notes wrong. I'm sorry," and they leave. If the bartender says, mm, "Okay, fine," they just set up and fucking shot. <laughs> so this is 100% gorilla wow. shooting. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Damn.
4: Uh, well, like with the uh, when they were doing the car chase, what they did was they like, okay, we're just gonna block off the road until somebody says, "Don't block the road," and run cars up and down. Yeah. So I mean, yes, the balls on this movie are like
3: eight feet wide titanium. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, you can't take it. There's, there's a thing about like I said before. Anyone that can get a movie made is yeah, I, I like especially anyone that can get a movie made that appears on the video nasty list. Um, and, you know, gives me, and it's obvious why this one appeared on the video nasty list. I mean, that front cover alone. He's holding up. He's got a chopper, um, and it's, he's covered in blood, and he's wearing a white suit, which is not a part of this movie at all. Um, and so, like, you I mean it's like a, it's a, a kind of clever way of of kind of luring eyes to think that they're getting something that they're not getting. But on, on top of that as well, it's the. It feels like it feels like an episode of. Like a TV show that you would have seen in the eighties, but like like a really low budget one. Like that's the thing that I I kept thinking the Sweeney constantly through my head, and the Sweeney's about cops in London. We went for the Sweeney. All right, Gov. You know it's all this stuff, but they're basically they're on the edge of kind of crossing the line and being criminals themselves. They pay kind of footless and fancy free with the law, and it kind of felt like. Someone had taken like the the kind of someone had taken that as a concept and then made it like about bimsers and uh, the mob and then decided to shoot a whole film around it. And the the dialogue is just odd. Aw- like the, this cliff guy wrote the dialogue and I just can't believe that anyone that was involved with this project was like that. Do you, you think this feels a bit unnatural? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is how we speak.
4: There, there were a couple of lines like there's that one scene where uh the um uh uh, uh donovan comes into a bar and is like and he's t- talking to the bartender and it's like oh i didn't know this was a gay bar yeah and bartender's like no i know it's not well what about them two poofs then and yeah. a fight ensues And like i don't know i just love fucking dialogue like that it's just amazing
3: yeah yeah it's very of its era it's very very yeah. very old, um yeah I, I think the thing like ultimately when I come down in this movie is that as a novelty factor I, I'm glad I've seen it because it's definitely on the list and de- like there were sections of this one that had me tears streaming out my eyes hands on the ribs feeling like I was going to piss myself uh, th- that funny where I was just like this is horrific um, and then there was other scenes where I was like I am not a clue where this is going why we're because like i say for 50 minutes of this runtime we really are just spending time with Donathan trying to
4: yeah like piece of life together or something yeah piece his yeah. life
3: together like and i'm like like you, your job here is to stop the the bad guys remember the bad guys and it was almost as if the movie heard me say remember the bad guys and then we, we turn to their evil lair and the guy's like, that why have we not taken out this guy yet? And I was like, I was asking the same question, little Nicky. Um and little Nicky's like that, go and get him, guys. And they're like, let's go and get him, guys. Uh and it was just I I I, I was I was baffled. It's not often that I'm left speechless at the end of a movie. Um but like we talked about Mafia Massacre style as being a movie where and there's a similar there's a similar kid. It feels like this, it feels like this is the british equivalent of that movie but it, all it's done is made me appreciate mafia massacre style so much more for what that movie crafted
4: <laughs> yeah it is essentially well when we uh, uh when we did the top 10 uh best nasty episode yep. uh the i cheated uh i picked two for my top number one and it was GBH and Master Mafia style, just because they were essentially the same goddamn yeah.
3: movie. It's just as it's it's, it's the same concept, it's just that concept has been taken to like interesting things like the Mafia in America. Another one has been taken to the London nightclub and Bouncers, and like how tame the UK is in comparison. Uh, which <laughs> is frustrating because, like I say, you like, have you ever seen the Long Good Friday, Mark? I have not. Dude, honestly. Fucking chef's kiss is that good? It's like it will, it will blow you. There's a part of you that will think to yourself, like, there's a part of you at the age that you're at that you will remember Bob Hoskins for, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit,
4: right? Being,
3: yep. being that kind of lovable kind of like that, you watch long good, uh, the, the Long Good Friday. He is, he's a fucking monster in that one, and he is absolutely fucking ruthless, like, like terrifyingly ruthless in that one. And it's basically ah. set over a weekend. You've seen the premise before in other movies. It's set over the weekend of him trying to make a big deal happen. And if he doesn't get the big deal... It's like Trade Indie. Essentially, if he doesn't get the thing to happen in time, they'll put a hit out on him.
1: Right. And so it's, it like, is... frantic.
3: It's got Helen Mirren in it as well. A very young and fucking stunning Helen Mirren who plays his better half.
1: It's um, streaming on HBO. I will definitely check that get out. Get
3: it watched. It's, you know what it's, it is? a It's a Friday night couple of whiskeys, couple of ice cubes in there, you know you in the room yourself, you and your cat blinds closed this is a <laughs> map time volume full up, maybe a fedora fedora's optional, all you wear is a fedora though, it's just the fedora and, a cat. <laughs> and that's that That right there that is what we call a fucking party sir that's what we call a party Um nice. Final thoughts on GBH. I know I'm going to hand it back to Tony here. and Tony's just going to say, it's the best thing ever, Duncan, and you shut up, you ignorant slut. Tony, final thoughts on GBH.
4: Uh, it is the best thing ever, and Duncan, you're an ignorant slut. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, honestly, this, you know, we will unfortunately probably never see this movie uh, get released yeah. on, like, Blu-ray or DVD, yeah. and that's a damn shame. Yeah. Uh one of the great joys of the video nasty project and like here is that bringing movies like this to a wider audience really yeah just watch this enjoy it let the terrible wash over you and enjoy your tommy Weissonus.
1: nice
3: smart ball final thoughts on gbh
1: yeah if you're a connoisseur of bad cinema uh you absolutely need to see this if, if you're like a a, a, f- a film snob where like uh bad filmmaking is just like nails on a chalkboard then this is gonna give you fucking brain cancer um, <laughs> <laughs> which i i can I, I have a tendency to be a little bit of both but i lean more towards I, I i love trashy awful bad cinema and this is uh this is right up there with stuff like gedovan or fucking Neil Breen or Tommy Wiseau or uh, this is this is not this is probably not talked about nearly enough amongst the amongst the circles of people that know any of those things or are familiar with them, and it probably should be because this is uh, this is one of the weirdest, most badly made movies I think we've watched for this season of the show, and I kind of I kind of love it for that. <laughs> it's fucking uh, it's fucking wild. You still have wrong way to go.
4: Watch that and come back to me.
1: <laughs> oh
3: boy! Oh boy! I keep telling you, Mark, never, never now, make blanket statements until the season's finished.
1: Yeah, now now I'm worried.
3: Uh, yeah, like <laughs> I, and a lot. I'm glad, like I say, I'm glad I've seen it. Uh, I will probably never watch this one again. Uh, it did make me laugh, and it is an it's an exercise, I think, in someone who, with the best of intentions, went in to make something that I think they thought was going to be interesting and you know like entertaining and all the rest and he, he landed the entertaining part but everything else kind of fell away. Um, had the movie like leaned just in the character study of the the Donovan character like a lot more I, it would be a better movie I don't know if it would be more entertaining and if I leaned less into that and give me more of the the violence and stuff that wasn't handled all that great it probably would have pushed it down for me as well so weirdly it found the balance um of entertainment and pure fucking cringe um and that's where gbh sits uh let's talk grades for this one i am so curious about this uh Tony, with our grading system where are you coming in with gbh
4: Oh God, I almost want to give it the uh, the slap on the wrist. I mean, there is nothing to this at yeah. all. I mean, the, the guy gets knifed in the balls with a, a broken bottle, yep. but that's not really graphic. Uh, there's the guy gets stabbed in the hand. I mean, there's nothing to this. So I, the only reason I think this wound up on the list was that You know the blue collarness of it just makes people uncomfortable. Yeah,
3: that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I I think like to me, like look at I I think it's that cover art, man. I think the cover—he's on the cover art. He's wielding. I think it's a hatchet, and he's all bloody, and that's literally all it took. Like Driller Killer, unfortunately, with having one of the greatest covers of all time, basically gave the 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 Enforcers um, a blueprint of what to look out for. It was an easy mark, and I think that's its greatest weapon. And to get people to watch it is also the reason that most likely ended up on that, on yep. that list. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, am I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Case dismissed. Once again, I'm with you on this one. I think there's, there are scenes of violence, but they're not gratuitous. You don't actually see anything there at all. Um, Language-wise, it's actually surprisingly prim and proper. Uh, there's only one character that really swears, and that's the mob gangster. And whenever he does it, it seems like. It's a foreign word to Every time he says fuck, it seems like it's the first time he's ever said the word fuck. Um and yeah, I'd like there's nothing there's nothing in this movie that is barely a movie. It's like there's nothing in this movie where like oh you know what I mean? So for me, once again, I'm saying slap on the Well, I'm saying case dismissed, I wouldn't even slap on the wrist. Smart ball!
1: uh same same i'm going case dismissed this is uh this is like more tame than firecracker like the violence of firecracker is a little gnarlier than this one and the fight choreography in this is fucking hilarious this dude went to the adam west slash william shatner school of fight choreography (laughs) and it's 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 adorable in how laughable and unbelievable it is uh you yeah know, the like, funny
4: thing is the, the really crazy thing is uh steve powell if i've got my notes correctly he was trained by bruce fucking lee
1: what oh, no way what? now
4: you know take it uh, uh you know uh, with a grain of salt because the information comes from the internet but steve powell if from what i understand yeah was actually are you
1: bad. sure you're not confused with bruce lay who i think was in the, in the firecracker <laughs> movie his uh bruce lee's post-death contemporary
4: (laughs) we got ourselves a bruce location thanks very much no no i i maybe
1: yeah i really like the only other thing i could figure is maybe the title itself of this movie is why it got in a little trouble with the video nasty list i mean it's basically like commanding you to commit a crime with its fucking name
3: well like i say what that is a that is a crime uh, GBH is a, it's a criminal offence, something you would be taken to court and like a police officer could arrest you for GBH.
1: It'd be uh, like if he called your movie arson or something or <laughs> embezzlement. <murder
3: it>. <laughs> oh man, well, ladies and gents, that is us, that is us swung through it. You made it. Don't you feel so much better about yourself now? Uh, we, ladies and gents, are going to take a very short break. When we return, we'll be saying bye to Tony, but I will be telling Mark about where we're going next. Mark, you're going to be so happy. So fucking happy. So happy. Am I? Am I?
1: Yeah. But I guess we'll, well see.
3: Well, one of them, one <laughs> of them, you definitely will be. I don't think the other one is necessary. Well, I don't know. Depends how horny you are.
1: Uh, so <laughs> Very uh, always. <laughs> right, we're
3: going to be right back to close the show after this.
4: This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com.
1: The Psychosemantic Podcast.
3: And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. This has been Season 2, Episode 26. On this episode, we looked at Naked Fist, a.k.a. Firecracker, and GBH. In one month's time, we will be sitting down and continuing our journey on. The first one. Bonafide Classic Mark Ball. Okay. The real fucking deal. Right. Right. As legit as it gets too legit (laughs) and fucking quick. Myself, yourself, we'll be sitting down with a little movie directed by Sean S. Cunningham from 1980. We're doing Friday the 13th. Ah,
1: nice. The the OG. I haven't watched it in quite a while, so I'm curious to revisit it. I bet it's... I bet it's gonna feel a little super tame compared to some of the other shit we watched for the show.
3: Well, we we are we are we're bringing it together, <laughs> coming full circle with um, how 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 to uh, it's the adventures of Snow White, Mark.
1: It's the adventures of Snow White. Really- oh, okay, okay. I've I have heard of this. I I think this is talked about in the the Golden Turkey Awards, the the OG fucking. Bad movie book, and uh, yeah, this is, this has got a little bit of notoriety to it. And uh, uh, we might have to go to some weird erotica website to yeah, watch yeah, this. this?
4: I, I got a copy, I'll hook you guys up. <laughs> thank
3: you, thank you very much.
1: Um, my computer thanks you too for not my, giving it STDs from some website. My, my, my,
3: fa- my favorite factoid about this movie was it was made in nine, 19. 69 mark. You see what we did? Nice. There? You see what we did there? Uh, yeah. So it's a German, a West German sex comedy. I know nothing about this comedy.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh boy.
3: Tony.
4: May I? May I? Said, yes. Since I'm not going to be on next month, okay. Here's a, the, my quick review. It's basically about as racy as Benny Hill.
3: About oh, I love Benny Hill, so I'm no, I'm, I'm so down with that. You know,
4: Yes, it's pornography. Yes, it's you know two guys wandering around the German wood, you know fucking things. So that's why it's on the list. But no, it's utterly harmless. <laughs> but it's fun. I, I love that. All, all,
3: all I've all I heard and what you just said, there is Duncan. You will need a lot of lotion and Kleenex, and I'm, i I will like I will. I'm up to that challenge. Is what I'm saying.
4: You'll need the whiskey. You'll need the uh, maybe a little bit of the. I don't know if you can get the cannabis over there, but a little bit of that. And yeah, uh, some lotion.
3: Uh, Yeah, some lotion. Fedora's optional. Uh, I'll wait to (laughs) borrow Matt's, uh, Mark's cat. Uh, But yeah, I'm down to clarify that. So yeah, the next episode it will be the new adventures of Snow White and Friday the Thirteenth. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, my friend. I want to say before we finish up, which is next May right we'll get you back oh ab- i will i love
4: doing this let's
3: absolutely figure out a time and get we me back. Will, we will get you back but this time mark we'll pick the episode that's right We're oh we'll no Oh man
1: oh boy <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take a look see what we got left and uh, yeah <laughs> he's, he's
4: gonna make me watch watch fucking wrong way i bet well,
3: you <laughs> i set- don't know
1: anything about it so I, that's, that's like
3: you put it out in the universe it's gonna happen um <laughs> before you go just remind us one more time where people can check out your stuff online uh let's see well um Assuming that YouTube hasn't
4: struck my channel down again, uh, go look for the Video Nasty Project yep. or just search for like the. Uh, um, uh, did I say video? Na- what the fuck am I saying? I'll try this again. Take two,
3: please. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, Psycho Toaster Productions or the Video Nasty Project should find an episode, and then from there you can just get the rest of it.
3: Perfect. Perfect. Mark Ball, where can people check out your stuff, buddy?
1: Uh, find me angry on twitter at the fancy mark uh probably by the time the next episode will be out i'll have a band camp set up because i have music that's on soundcloud from several soundcloud accounts ago that i fucking just completely lost fucking and soundcloud's a fucking terrible platform oh, nowadays yeah. anyway so that. i'm i'm trying to migrate that shit over to band camp but i haven't got around to that yet so uh yeah you'll be able to check out some of my Music. i'm sure the name fancy mark has probably already been taken at least once maybe multiple times by people out there but it will be something along those yeah. lines so uh yeah all little more on that on the on next next month's episode
3: phenomenal oh well, well ladies and gents please check out the other shows on the t Putts collective we have where to begin with which is currently looking at film the war and neo noir movies i picked 10 movies throughout this year that i think will round out give you an appreciation or our best starting point to get into that sub-genre. That first episode dropped looking at Roman Polanski's Chinatown bona fide classic. And on episode number two we'll be talking a little bit Hitchcock with Strangers on a Train which I'm very much looking forward to getting into as well. And you can submit reviews into that each episode. So do that. Shows are all on this one here. Opera Omnia will be making its return real soon, just under a month, with a new director and a new resident guest host for a much shorter season. We're going shorter for the, before we go to our next deep dive. And there's Chronicle, which has opened its doors to reviewers the world over, uh, where reviewers are now bringing me their European horror movie they always wanted to discuss on the show, and we are recording that for you. The brand-new episode dropped for that well, this week was myself and the big sexy Scott McKenzie sitting down talking about Dario Argento's spiritual sequel to Suspiria in 1980's Inferno. A movie which he had never seen before, which he's now seen and I realised that the only way to get Scott to like a movie that he doesn't understand the plot of is to have Argento-style lighting all the way through it and he's putty in the hands putty in the hands. (laughs) Until the next time we speak to you though, please take care of yourselves out there. We'll be back in one month's time with the new adventures of Snow White and Friday the 13th. This is Duncan McLeish and the crew at Al for Video Nasty podcast doing the nasty. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Good night, bitches. Goodbye.
0: Ah. Next next.
1: Yeah. They were called nasties, and they were nasty.
0: Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched
2: it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.